Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello and welcome back. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking a little more along the lines of uh, what I find not important, but more so what bothers me about psych. So it's a little more realistic. It's a little more direct. It very much speaks to to who I am and the things that kind of get me annoyed on an everyday basis. But I think it's super important to talk about this topic specifically because I feel as a therapist and even just as a human being that people need to hear it. People need to hear that this idea of toxic positivity, and I call it toxic positivity because it's it's like poison. It's like feeding poison to people. We'll go more into it later on, but it's ruining our mental health. So this is more like a PSA, really, on my end. This is like super serious to me. I feel like people need to hear this announcement. We need to stop acting like things don't bother us, like we're always going to be happy, like we can't have any kind of negative feelings. And so today, Crystal and I are going to break it down for you as to why you should embrace all the feelings, right? No surprise here. But before we do that, <laughs> it's time to talk about our feelings. Boo, how are you doing? It's good vibes only over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like it's just been kind of crappy weather uh, this these past few days. So I think it's been kind of keeping me, I don't want to say down, but not very like spirited to like be outside and do things. Um, So I feel like I've been in this place of, I call it nesting, but I know that that's not the word, but you know, like when you just want to create comfort for yourself and like Mm. you want your space, like who you talk to, like the energy around you to just be calm and soothing and uh I feel like it's been good to tap into my feelings which I've liked um I mean I don't like the feelings that are coming up but it's been a good process like working through them and I've been doing it on my own time so that's kind of where I've been like these past like two or three days actually some processing and sitting with with emotions um so yeah that's where I've been how are you um, I'm actually kind of in a similar place, but I, I find a, and not to say that you don't, right. I find a lot of value in it. So the past few days, I've also just kind of been not tending to the things that I usually do or, and also not stressing out about it. Cause I have this habit of, let's say I'm not doing the work that I should be doing, or I'm taking a break. I'm thinking about the work. But this mm-hmm. cu- these past couple of days, I was just like, yo, fuck the work. I am exhausted. Like, my body is just like, nope, not doing it. And mm-hmm. I'm allowing for it to, to, I'm allowing for myself to just fall into that. And yo, when I tell you that when I see these, like, psychological theories and, like, the things that we've learned in grad school kind of, like, come to life in me, I'm still so fucking amazed because mm-hmm. I'm chilling yesterday in my bed. I'm, like, watching a movie. I haven't done that in forever. And... I started making connections of who I am, 
things are starting to fall into place. Like even lately I'm noticing, like, so I, I told everybody that I recently moved. It's now starting to hit me like, oh shit, this is your life. And so basically what's happening is my logic and my feelings are like starting to come into one and I'm watching this happen in real life time. And it's, it's only more reaffirming to me that I do need breaks. I need time to process. I need time to like, just chill and be like, all right, what's going on? So that's where I'm at. That's good. I think like ultimately, um, sometimes you need to kind of just sit and relax and chill to get to that good place. So I'm happy that we're both kind of are having that opportunity right now. We deserve. We we deserve. Absolutely. <laughs> How did you feel saying that? <laughs> you know, it's like we deserve, like we deserve, like we deserve. We deserve, like, you know, you're going to try to have different, <laughs> different inflections to see, like, which one is sitting with you, which one feels right to know where exactly are you at? Like, do you actually believe it or are you just saying it? And sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And I think that that's also okay. Yeah. It, mm, this is funny because it goes into the topic we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's it's complicated, the whole fake it till you make it uh, piece. But I think it's going to directly relate to, to what we're talking about today. You're right. Just as a little disclaimer, because I know that I come off a little direct and, you know, I'm the one who comes for people unintentionally. Crystal, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I don't <laughs> think I don't think that being positive is a bad thing, right? Like, I actually embrace it. Um, what we're talking about today is something different. It's the mindset that you're only going to resort to being positive. You're only going to look at the good things. You're going to, you know, just kind of keep moving forward. And I actually, I have a problem with that because it. There, first of all, there are a lot of studies that show that in the long run, when people ignore their feelings, like the any other feeling that's not positive, it comes back to bite them in the ass even more. And just putting this out there, I think it's a correlation. Um, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Just FYI, the number one disability worldwide at the current moment is depression globally, right? So, I mean, and it includes a wide range of ages. Um, and I think that this speaks to the idea that there has to be something that is wrong with the way that we are dealing with our feelings as a collective. Like, why is this such a pervasive, ongoing um, issue? Because this, this, like, top 10 is like heart disease, cancer injuries that you get like just by like skateboarding or something i've never skateboarded but you know um but all these are in the same group but but depression is number one so for me it speaks to as a collective like how we're dealing with our feelings i think that i started noticing this idea of people being too positive and me having a problem with it probably um when i lost my father you know you you go through loss and you start thinking about like well what's how do I deal with this? And then you start looking towards other people because we're social beings. You want to be in community. And I would get told a lot, like the most annoying things, right? Like, oh, he's in a better place now. Oh, he, it was his time to go. Um, and that shit would really piss me off because it, it didn't take what I was feeling away. Um, it didn't help it in any kind of way. And it just kind of left me feeling stuck. Like, all right, so who am I going to talk to about this? And I remember I ignored my feelings for a whole year, literally. Like I put them on the back burner. And when I tell you that, 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 (laughs) I think the year after he died, yo, shit just came flooding back and it it came like a punch in the fucking face. And I, I told myself ever since then that I wasn't going to ignore feelings. 
after that because I recognized that I had just pretended that I didn't care. I, I, I pretended that it wasn't affecting me because ultimately, like, I, I also feel like I was living in a world where that's kind of what people indirectly were telling me to do. Right. right. And I, I see it. And I think that the reason I wanted to talk about it today is because I kind of see it coming up similarly to to what's happening now. Granted, I mean, this is a figurative loss. Uh, you know, I, I recently broke up with this person, but it still brings up feelings of like sadness, anger, grief. And when I talk to some people about it, not Crystal, but when I talk to some people about it, they're, they're always like, oh, you know, you're better off or it's, you know, it was meant to be. And I'm like, yo, what? That doesn't help because it doesn't take away the feelings that I'm experiencing. So I'm noticing that this is something that continuously happens and I, I really want to address it. And I'm hoping that what people get out of this is just the simple ta- like skill of acknowledging that you have other feelings and that you don't have to keep pushing forward and be positive and be good. And because, oh my God, even just talking about it sounds really stressful. Yeah. So I think there's a few points that you brought up when you were like, not Crystal. Uh, <laughs> I think one, I think because I'm a mental health professional, I've not that I've never invalidated someone's feelings. So I, I know I have, but I think with you, um, we always work from a place of being in our feelings. Like I, I noticed something that I say a lot to you is like, I totally get that. That's valid. Like I understand mm-hmm. and kind of using those affirming words or phrases. Yeah. And if you're still feeling shitty about it a year from now and be like, yeah, I understand. Like I <laughs> kind of, had, no. And, and I say that because of, I know people who've lost someone and it stays with them for the rest of their lives. Like it gets easier, of course. Like it, you know, it doesn't weigh on them like it did initially, but a loss is a loss. Like no matter what it was, a figurative or a literal loss. So I think working towards a place of affirmation, but I also feel like with toxic positivity, two things. I think one, uh, when you are privileged in other ways, I think for people it's like, well, like this one bad thing happened to you, but you have a roof over your head, but you have food on the table, but you have all of these people and all of this, like, so you should be happy. And it makes it seem like just because you have other good things that the bad thing that happened is inconsequential mm. to to your life, to your emotions. Um, but I also feel like toxic positivity is sometimes other people's like unhealthy coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they can't stand to be anything else but positive because feeling or thinking otherwise will lead them to face their own shit, which they may not be ready for. So I feel like at its core, for some, not all, it's an avoidance strategy used to push away any of their own internal discomfort. And I think like for the most part, I will say, I don't think that people do it intentionally. I think that they're just unaware that that's what they're doing. Not yeah. that it makes it any better. You know, I, I don't know. I feel very strongly about this. I don't. I think it's cultural, right? Like I, so mm-hmm. I, I really, I happen to come across this uh, TED talk by Susan David. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and she's a psychologist who talks exactly about this, about addressing your feelings and the harm that toxic positivity can do to somebody, right? So she has a book and I haven't read it, but she has a book on emotional agility, which in comparison to emotional rigidity, right? So like when you're mm. boxed in in certain emotions, um, you're not allowing yourself to feel the full scope of everything that's happening. Her research is very, very interesting. So she says when we view emotions as quote unquote good, bad, positive, or negative, it's rigid. 
And when we categorize these feelings that way, we assign an actual value to the feelings as like less or more appealing or less or more important, right? right? Therefore, when we actually experience them, we think that these feelings are not as important as the good ones. When in reality, it's all data, right? It's all, te- it's all telling of who we are, what we're looking for. It's kind of like your body saying, you know, your, your stomach is hurting and then you ignore it and then you go out drinking. Like that's a really bad idea. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to listen to certain things so that you're, you're, you're giving your body what you need. And I think that our feelings tell so like they tell us so much about ourselves. I think capitalism does this to us. It's like this culture of like insisting on pushing through and being positive and finding something that is redeeming about the situation without addressing anything else about what just happened, right? Like whatever the situation is. So in 2017, she she did a survey. And in that survey, she found that over a third of her participants judged themselves actively or pushed their feelings away for experiencing bad emotions, like sadness, like anger, like grief. So when we go back to this idea, the what I talked about earlier about depression being the number one health disability worldwide, depression is an internal pathology, right? It's like grief, sadness, anger, put inwards into us. So if we're not addressing these things and we're not letting them out, I mean, you're more, I'm making correlations here. Maybe people will just be like, yeah, absolutely. You're wrong. But it just makes a lot of sense to me when you don't address the things that are going on within you and you're not letting them out, they build up somehow. And she has this term amplification, which is when you ignore your emotions, they come back stronger, which is so Mm -hmm. true. Right. So she uses the best, a really good example. Like, let's say you're craving chocolate cake or a cheeseburger, whatever it is that you crave, you know, you shouldn't be having every day. And when you don't give yourself that craving, chances are that you're going to go back and just completely mess up your diet. Binge. Exactly. And it's going to come back worse. So you might as well give a little bit more attention to that, whatever it is that you're feeling so that it's not amplified. I think like also what we're talking about is two different things because I'm speaking about being on the receiving end of toxic positivity. And I think you're talking about like what happens when you are someone who engages in toxic Mm. positivity. Because when I said people don't have negative intentions, I think I'm more so speaking like because I'm on the receiving end of toxic positivity often and I just ignore it. Like I, I should probably address it with that person, but I think for the most part, I just don't care enough to engage that person in a discussion about why this is toxic I just make a mental note like oh this is not someone that when I need to feel validated that I'm going to go to them um to it unless it's Mm -hmm. someone that I'm particularly close to but I also feel like someone who engages in toxic positivity is probably not someone that I'm gonna get very far in terms of having a relationship with them. But I do agree with you in regards to the amplification of the emotions because I think like a lot of a lot of what when we're talking about like society or culture as a whole, there's this notion that happiness is a choice. Mm. And if happiness is a choice, then also negativity is a choice. So you're choosing to see the negative, right? Um And if you choose to be in a bad place, then it's your fault, right? Like, then it's on you. So, like, if you don't choose happiness, if you choose to engage in these, what we, you know, uh, call negative emotions, then that's your choice. And you're um, 
you can easily make a different choice as if emotions aren't sometimes completely irrational. Sometimes I'm like, I know this shouldn't bother me. Like I understand the logic. I understand the reasoning behind this. And I'm still like wanting to throw a tantrum in a fit. And I know that sometimes I even judge myself in those moments and I have to remind myself not to do so. Um, But I think that that's also why um, culturally speaking, we are in this like toxic positivity culture because people think that happiness is a choice. And then when you leave, when you judge your yourself for having those negative emotions, then it leads to shame. So you're just compounding the feelings, um, which is basically what um, that woman who did the tech talk, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name anymore, but Susan uh, was speaking to. Yeah, you know, and it's so funny because it, when you, even hearing you say it, this, this idea of choice, it makes sense to me. And I'm like, yeah, I should choose to be happy, right? But then I really think about it and like, so imagine you're watching a movie and you you choose to keep your eyes open. You choose to keep your eyes and your ears open in the parts that are good, right? And then you close. You kind of close yourself off to the other parts of the movie. Yo, you don't have the full scope of the. You don't have the full scope of the story. You have no idea what's going on. You just know the good things that happen in pieces. You're missing so much to the whole movie. Like the whole point is to get the the whole story and enjoy it for what it is. And I, it's so interesting to me that we can do this with like books and literature or like other things that we, we seek out to make us happy, funny enough, or make us feel good. Um, and we can't do that with ourselves, like, because you can't just pick and choose the parts of yourself that you want to live with and, and then expect that the rest is just going to kind of stay on the other side of the door. So I always tell people this. So feelings are not something that you can just kind of start picking out the way, which is a very, like, even the way I'm describing it's very capitalistic, right? Like you go shopping for feelings, right? Like I want this one. I want that one. The minute you fucking, the minute you open up the door to actually experience any kind of feeling, whether it's happy or sad or like good or bad, however you assign it, you're opening up the door for all the feelings. You can't close it when it's only convenient to you you're opening up the damn door you're gonna all the other feelings are gonna flood in and that that's that you're doing double work right because now it's like to me i imagine it as like you forcing the door close when the things that you don't like are sneaking in right because you're letting in happiness some ninja stuff like you know like what was that (laughs) like game with the fruits that you i was like oh negative emotion negative emotion nope fruit ninja But yo, like think about how time how, how time consuming that is. And then if you're busy doing that, are you really enjoying the ones that you're trying to let in? It's just mm. a lot of Ooh. damn work. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that also something that we ignore with emotions is that there can be duality to the emotions or not, not even like not even just duality, but there can be multiple layers or levels. Like I can feel joy about having spent time with my friends and also feel sad that I Mm -hmm. broke up with someone. Right. Like, I think like you can experience both of those things. And I think talking about me. Cause that's my experience. No, <laughs> no. Um, cause I, you know what it was. I started off with like spending time with my friends, and then I was like, oh, you know what would be a good one, like a holiday example. But I was like, I already, I'm already on this train. Let me just keep going. So, <laughs> sorry, I wasn't okay. trying to call you out. I promise. Uh, but yeah, and I think like you also need to recognize that both quote unquote good and bad emotions, and I don't want to, you know, divide it into like these two. 
uh, different types of emotions, but good and bad things can exist at the same time. Agreed. I also think that we have a, a really difficult time acknowledging that and it happens so easily for us. So in doing the notes, I was thinking like, how does toxic positivity look, right? Because we all know that person that's like a little extra and you're like, yo, you know what? I can't do deal with you right now. Like that's too much positive energy for me. You need to go home and have a good cry so me and you can hang out um, because I, you're projecting, <laughs> right? But I also think that toxic positivity it comes in very subtle forms, right? So like, think about these phrases that we tell people and we also tell ourselves, just focus on the positive. You should feel grateful you're in this position. Should. Should is like, ah, I hate the word should. And when it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, Sasha, stop it. Uh, but when people tell me what I should be doing, oh, I get very, very defensive. Um, and then I come off negative, which is hilarious. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not negative. I'm just being very realistic. And it, it's it's an interesting position to be in because people do think I'm negative because I choose to experience mm-hmm. certain things. Um, but I think that's, I was going to say, that's also a sign. Say more. When Sorry. someone tells you that you're being negative, that that's also a sign mm-hmm. of toxic positivity. I didn't even realize that because guess what? I internalize that. I'm the kind of person I sit there and I'm like, oh, I guess I am. What's wrong with me? And then I'm there. I left thinking that there's something wrong with me, right? Like, because I'm just, I'm the one looking at the elephant in the room. And I'm like, oh, do you guys notice this? And everyone's like, nah, we're going to choose to ignore it. And you're the weird one for opening your mouth about it. Um, right. Yeah. So it's, that's not healthy. Uh, it's not fun either to experience, right? So things could be worse. Always look for the silver lining, which has value to it. But when you, when you resort to that immediately, it's, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. a dead end. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that. Mm-hmm. Someone else has it worse. I feel like as immigrant, ch- well, children of immigrant parents, right? I know Crystal and I can relate to this. Yo, I heard that someone else has it worse my whole damn life. My mom told me stories of how she didn't even have uh, a real floor, but she kept that dirt floor clean. Like, fuck. Like, how was I supposed to even? <laughs> how are you supposed to even, like, compete with that? It becomes a competition. Uh, right. Pay it no mind. Yeah. If someone leaves you, you ooh, this is something I've been hearing lately. And it, it does kind of, like, bother me. If someone leaves you, you're better off without them. Yes, it's true. But at the same time, it doesn't take away what I'm feeling. Or if right. someone passes in your life they're in a better place everything happens for a reason that shit drives me insane because it's like yo do you speak to god is so i'm out here questioning (laughs) i'm out here questioning if like there's really something to god so you you must have the answers to something that i don't because how do you know uh so yeah or just keep moving forward don't look back oh my god So we do these things unintentionally to people, but I just wanted to give a little bit of a breakdown on how it could look in our everyday. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that piece about your mom, (laughs) about like, she kept that dirt floor clean. So like, you should be grateful (laughs) for this. If you're first gen and you grew up with Linux immigrant parents, I also feel like a part of their toxic positivity, again, I, and I think this is completely unintentional on their part. I don't, think that they're aware of what it is but I feel like there's layers to it because of the way that they grew up because of the sacrifices that they had to make um because they came to a country where they didn't speak the language they didn't have a job you know maybe they didn't have uh papers you know like they weren't citizens or weren't here legally like I don't think that they had the capacity to feel their feelings or Mm. to process their traumas because they didn't have the time the resources the energy the ability to focus on themselves 
for them because they think that they've overcome it because I don't think that they've actually overcome it. They don't make space for other people's feelings sometimes. And I think that because they they made it and they're all right in their minds, when they see us in cushier like situations, you know, you have this nice apartment and you maybe mm-hmm. have your own room or you're going to school and you, you know, get sneakers more than once a year (laughs) like you know Uh like things like that right or or you know like you don't have to share you know the meat from the chicken with 10 other people like you can have like two or three pieces of chicken with your dinner because I know that that was I I say that because that relates to to my yeah my experience at home for them it's like I wish this was my struggle or you don't you didn't know how bad I had it like how your mom says and that you know they feel like you should be grateful because I sacrificed for you to have this and you're mm-hmm. sad you're mm-hmm. depressed you're anxious excuse me like do you know you know like what I had to do um to be here so I definitely understand how it makes sense in their heads but I think that it can sometimes be difficult when it comes from your parents when it comes within from within the home you know it's hard right because then you experience guilt for feeling Mm -hmm. how you feel when I used to work more one-on-one with children and their parents it was mainly uh like children of immigrant parents and they were first generation here whenever I would talk with the parents like I'd have to remind them that yes we are in a better position however it doesn't necessarily remove all the struggles that someone experiences in this country as a teenager Uh and that's and that's exactly what we're talking about this idea of like just focus on the positive how do you invalidate someone's experience when they're not feeling good and then the the child of that parent doesn't know who to go to to speak about what it is that they're feeling because they know they're going to kind of be rejected in 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 that instance but going back to what you said you said it very beautifully when people do this thing where they kind of tell you what to do, they're projecting their own feelings because they can't Mm -hmm. contain it themselves. And if they Mm -hmm. choose to, and in the moment that they engage you in that conversation, it opens up those doors within them that I was talking about. And this is why people can't handle it because they don't want to address those feelings that's happening within them. So it's easier to just Mm -hmm. project and say, close your doors the way I do. And it's not a one size fits all model or else we'd live in like this very you know, robotic society. Uh, obviously, we're having feelings if depression is the number one global disease. Right. So I, I, I think what you said was very, very on point. Yeah, it, it, it comes down to their unresolved traumas. They, I think they, they can't, like you said, like they just, once the door is open, they're going to have to look at their own shit and there's, they're, they're not equipped to handle it. And I think also a lot of times they're like, just go to school, pray, it'll all go away. Mm. Like, <laughs> I think, um, I know that we spoke about like faith and religion and spirituality and that was a part of the conversation. A big reason why sometimes I was even hesitant to my own feelings is because, like, once this door opens, I don't know what's going to come out. And I don't know when I'm going to be okay. And that's also a very scary feeling um, to to think, like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going to happen when <laughs> this door opens? Like, I don't have the capacity to break down right now. I love that you say that because it's, you know... A lot of us pretend, I, and I, I, I'm generalizing, but I've met a lot of people who, ooh, I've met a lot of people who just engage in this, like, 
no just stay to stick to the positive and especially as a bartender like i would watch people i the the bar i used to work at was it was across the street from a car dealership and all these salesmen like they do a lot of like these like positive workshop trainings and they all have read you know uh the what is it dale carnegie's book um something the art of making friends and you know getting to like i don't know whatever i've never read it nor do i care to read it i don't know i they they would like tell me like yeah you have to be positive you have to do this and yo they would get so blasted yeah i'm putting people on blast but they would get so drunk at the end of the night (laughs) and they were like i would just look at it and be like there's a there's a real mismatch here because and and then you know the things that come out of them when they are drunk the sadness that you see like of course i was observing them because that's just what i do i was about to say leave it to (laughs) sasha to be super observant like when (laughs) all you needed to do was serve them drinks but i totally hear you girl (laughs) i mean i i need to look i need to observe i need to see what's going on no that's yeah no that's just so innate in you so i i believe it (laughs) yeah and you know like i i always wondered like how do they do this because a lot of them choose this mindset to just kind of like be positive thinking that it's going to help them when in reality in when in reality like i i don't understand how that works because being human right just the experience of being human comes with negative emotions right we experience death of the people we love we lose people that we love figuratively we experience tragic events like look at this pandemic uh, mm-hmm. and then whatever we lose a sense of ourselves right like there are moments where our sense of identity gets lost right we experience a lot of loss people will disappoint us tragedy happens right like you you get into a car accident you i don't know someone hit your bumper and it wasn't you lose a job like these are normal things so when we only choose to focus on the upside of these things without going through our process we're consistently invalidating the reality of being human it's just it's so unnatural to me. The point that you brought up about the pandemic makes me think about how we saw a lot of toxic positivity at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh my gosh. I feel like it really, (laughs) I feel like it depended on. Oh, sorry. I just want to say everybody who learned how to make bread, congratulations. Like (laughs) I'm so over your damn bread. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. So, so I will say, I think that there's people who like, well, what do I do to make myself okay? And I think that there were the people on the internet, like start an LLC, start your business. This is the perfect time for your side hustle. I feel like it really depended on what corner of the internet you were in. So I wasn't on Instagram when the pandemic started. I was on Twitter. So Twitter was gloom, doom. The world was ending. Shit was bad. But then I remember when I got back on Instagram and I got back on Instagram mostly because of the podcast. So I have a personal page that I don't really ever post on. And I was like, y'all are different. Y'all living a different life out here. What the fuck? Like what is happening here? And then, yeah. And then people were like how to flip homes and how to take advantage. And don't get me wrong. There is definitely, I'm not saying that these things are bad, but I think like when you are projecting it onto people, like if I can do it, then you can do it. Like you don't know what this specific person's circumstances, you don't know if this person lost someone to COVID. You don't know if this person has COVID. You don't Mm -hmm. know what people's capacity to exist under these strenuous circumstances are. And I think that, you know, like you just saw clean your house or do this and do that. 
I, I remember the beginning of the pandemic, unfortunately for me, because I really wish I could forget. But um, mm-hmm. I remember the anxiety. And I remember also feeling bad that I had it a little mm-hmm. bit easier than some other people. I can't imagine like being like, yeah, I have it better than other people. And now you should do what I'm doing. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I just, it, it was weird. And I didn't like it. Yeah, it's weird because mad people are dying. This is something that we never thought we'd experience. We're all trying to adjust. I'm sure three months into the pandemic, your brain uh, like processed the information that we were being given way differently uh-huh. than in the beginning. We're all in a little bit of shock. And then you have people right. out here telling you to be productive. And it's like, yes, I I believe in that. Like I I'm not I believe in all the 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 different emotional reactions, not just that one, right? And it's so important to highlight the social media piece because I feel like social media and like techn- the way technology is nowadays, how we have access to information so quickly, it gives us this illusion that we can curate this outline of our lives and just exclude other things, right? Like think about how people will post only the good things. Um, uh-huh. And it's, it, it like, and it fee- it just keeps... It keeps reaffirming this idea that we can just alter our lives and make ourselves, um, and you know, how do I say this? They, that our feelings are, and our feelings are malleable, but that they're controllable. I was just malleable. <laughs> oh, okay, good. so we right here, girl. We're like on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> but something that could be shifted so quickly, it, you, it's kind of like water, right? Like, yeah, you can shape it. You can shape the the actual container that it's being held in. But once you lose sight of it, like it can just go everywhere. Like, I, I don't know. I think feelings are, are more than just things that we can shape and maneuver to our liking. Like, that's not how we function. That's not how we work. Um, and social media yeah. will definitely make you feel like, oh, I can create my life. And it's like, no, bitch, you have to deal with your life. There's a difference. Yeah. And like I said, I think it depended on which corner of the internet you were in. But I do feel like a few, like maybe like, a few months in like there was a lot there was more room for like if you've gained weight that's okay like your you know like your body was helping you survive so I think it took a while so I like the piece that you said about um the initial shock of it and maybe that causing a bit of a delayed reaction um which maybe was the case for some people but I'm glad when I finally started to see like okay like now you're finally validating people for feeling like shit and the fact that we're still validating people because this pandemic isn't really over like I mean a lot of y'all think it's over (laughs) but it's not (laughs) It's it's definitely not. Talk about addressing feelings. You know, this is going to be ongoing. We are shaped by this, whether we want to Mm -hmm. believe it or not. But it's interesting. We're shaped by this experience as well as what we had before, right? Which is like this self-help culture. Like how Mm -hmm. many, if you, you know, how many books are there on like how to and how to be this and how to be that and how to do this and Yo, like it, it blows my mind how we've, you know, like motivational speakers and like writers have profited off of this market of, you know, being able to fix yourself so that you don't have to experience certain things that you don't want to, or you can get to a point in your life that, you know, you are happy with yourself, which I think is a great concept. But when, you know, as a therapist and you think about the the stages of change and like the model of change. I feel like these books, they miss so much to it, right? So, like, really quickly, Mm -hmm. stage one is pre-contemplation. 
there's absolutely no intention of that person wanting to change their behavior, right? Like they're unaware of it. They're good. They're like, problem? What problem? I ain't got no problems, which is fine, right? Uh, and then there's contemplation, which there's an awareness that there's a problem, but there's no actual commitment to, you know, changing the problem, right? There's no action being taken. They're like, yeah, I know I got this issue, but, you know, what am I going to do about it? Uh, then there's preparation, where the person is actually willing to take action to correct the problem. What it requires is that the person is convinced that the change is good for them, right? They get to a point where they're like, okay, fuck, I have to change. It's almost like they're pushed up against a, a corner. Mm-hmm. And they have to believe that they can do it, right? So there's a self-efficacy piece of like their actual ability to make these changes. Because if you don't have that, they're not going to be able to go into action, right? which is the actual modification of the behavior, um, which then leads into maintenance. So sustaining the change that occurs, which is all beautiful and dandy, but then there's more. Because the model addresses the fact that there's going to be a relapse. You're going to go back to old behavior um, because that's just how we function. And then there's this thing called the upward spiral where you go through steps one through six. And every time you go through one through six, you, you learn and grow from your mistakes. What I feel like these self-help books are focusing on is only step four and step five, which is action and maintenance. And they don't go into, you know, why this person has this issue. They don't go into the the background of like how you got to that problem, right? And it's a very therapist thing of me to do, but I think this is why I love what I do. I, I wholeheartedly believe in its process and how it functions and how it helps people function. Um, no one's going into you know, are you ready to change? Do you believe in yourself, right? Like you have so many people who are addressing these actions and they want to change and they're at contemplation. They're just like, yeah, I know a problem exists. So I'm just going to try and fake it till I make it going back to what you said. And they're skipping over certain steps about themselves, not recognizing that maybe I don't have the self-efficacy part. Maybe my self-esteem doesn't believe I can do this. So how do I address that? Like we just like glaze over all these other factors that are going on within us which it, it creates this idea of like toxic optimism or positivity like that like oh what? and then you get down on yourself when you go into relapse not even recognizing that this is going to this is a normal process of change and then you feel like shit and are you more likely or less likely to engage in committing to change after that yeah you know what's funny that you bring up the self-help piece because i um, read a lot of like psychology books and we recommend well I feel like it's mostly me I'm always like I read this book um <laughs> which and I, love. I will say like hmm? I said I love that like this knowledge is a beautiful thing yeah but I will say like even I've fallen victim to this um and I think like even the books that are not just like be positive affirmations but you know like because there's a lot of those like there's those are like the pop psychology books like I do my damn best to stay away from that. I like a good like psychology self-help book that explains concepts, that talks about research, that discusses theory, and then shows examples or applies it to like real life um, situations. But I will say I even, um, with the best of like those psychology self-help books, have fallen victim to just that. Because I think um, just the example that I was thinking of is I read the book, The Emotionally Absent Mother, which I do highly, highly recommend. But the book talks about what what does it look like to grow up with a an, a, a mother or a parent, because you can generalize it, it doesn't have to just be the mother, um, but to grow up with a parent or caregiver that is emotionally absent. So it's like, what does that look like? What does that 
feel like for the individual? How does that manifest itself in behaviors in the future? And how do you, you know, try to work your steps through it? And I read the book and I had been working around like feelings around my mother for years by the time that I had gotten to this book. And I remember reading the book and I felt like I had emotionally broken up with my mother, meaning like I had let go of this feeling of who she, who I wanted her to be. So this was when I was seeing my old therapist. So when I got to my new therapist, I was like, well, I read this book and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, because again, if you've been following the podcast, my therapist thinks that there's like four, you know, like four steps to change. Um, She doesn't follow these stages of change that um, Sasha was talking about. But she was like, you went from step one to step four. So Mm. you skipped like the important piece. So that's why, like, even though you feel like you emotionally broke up with her, you still don't feel better about it because you skipped a whole ass piece of this. Like, so now you got to go back because that's why you, you've let it go, but you haven't actually let it go. So I definitely think that, um, self-help books are definitely great, but I think you have to be very mindful of how you feel and what is coming up for you um, and and leave space for there to be a lot of messiness in between for sure. Absolutely. And listen, I think it's cool that your therapist has like different steps, right? Just as long as there's this acknowledgement that like there are different, there, there are more steps than just like, I have an issue and then boom, there's a solution. <laughs> That you're gonna like it's like a rubber band like you, it's gonna backfire on you and you're gonna like come shooting back maybe 10 steps it's gonna feel like you're 10 steps behind from where you started because of you know you're anticipating progress and you're anticipating resolution and then you're back or maybe just feeling a little more worse than what you started and it's so unmot it's so disheartening um and then you have a whole bunch of people who are just like well fuck that i'm just gonna continue the behavior i'm just gonna keep living in this life and and then it and then there we go. Glo- depression is the number one global disease in our world. Um, now, I, I'm not saying that this is that's the process, but I th- do think it's part of it. Uh, another reason that I think this is something that people might want to consider is because in the long run, it it doesn't it doesn't just affect you, right? So Crystal spoke to it a little bit in regards to receiving the toxic positivity mindset from a person. Um, I spoke to what it is that happens within you and how you're rejecting the self. And and then also what happens is it's creating a lot of stress on your body. So I read on I read this study on human emotions and how suppression can lead to physical ailments. So basically the researchers took participants, the participants were watching a movie, different groups were allowed to express their emotion in like in, in real time and other groups were told to suppress it and they saw a different reaction in the central nervous system of the people who were asked to suppress their emotions and not express it in lifetime while watching the movie so something's going on in our bodies that is not healthy like so ooh, stress is a killer it'll deteriorate your cells it break it literally mm-hmm. breaks down your cells and it breaks down the collagen for those people who don't want to age so <laughs> that was always my that was always my biggest fear. Um, stress is horrible. Like it will deteriorate your body in out, like from the in out. And when these people weren't actually addressing their feelings, they basically had more stress in them. So I just I mean, even just that hearing that like, yo, like for me, that's just enough evidence and proof to be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start looking at my feelings. Um, which I know could be really, and I say it so easily, but it's scary. 
It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's you don't know if you can handle it, but I do think it's possible. And I know that it's scary, but like I also think that sometimes, you know, there's this interesting, this is annoying ass saying in that I think we all have come across in grad school for the for our training, which is like after after conflict comes resolution, and it's annoying because it, you're like you hear it all the time. And you're like, what the hell are they talking about? But then. And then you experience the conflict and it's scary as fuck. And especially when you're with a client and even within your own self, right? Like the conflicts that you have internally. But literally, um, once once you get over that and you address it, it's kind of like climbing up a mountain and then the peak hits and then you go down. You feel really good about yourself. You know, you've learned something different about yourself. So uh, it's really hard for me to to push this idea on people because... I don't like pushing things on people, but I I know from personal experience, it has definitely worked where once you start creating space for the things that scare you, um, it it does make it, it does alleviate some of the, the amplifying feelings. I mean, for me, it was more so the only way out is through um, in terms of uh, what, like what the grad school saying was. So like the only way to get out of something is to go through it. which I mean is pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> if you ask me. And I will say it. It. Um. I remember saying this whew, a while ago. If you haven't heard the doing the work episode, um, definitely highly recommend going back to that because it kind of talks a little bit about how challenging it is to experience your emotions. Also, we do have the feelings wheel on the Instagram. You have to like scroll all the way back, but it's there for sure. Like what I said in that episode. When you're doing the work, the feelings don't necessarily hurt any less, but you know every single time that you do it that you're better prepared for the next time to go through it. So it's almost like you build a tougher skin every time. So yeah, it's challenging, but every time that you go through it, you've built uh, resilience, a new skill to get through it. So avoiding it, you're not going to build any of those skills, Um, but getting through it, it's going to suck, but, you know, like, you'll be better equipped for the next time and the next time and the next time. I um I used to tell my clients, like, imagine you're digging tunnels underground and you're you're mapping this out as you do it. The, the initial step one of the process where you're, like, digging a tunnel and you're digging pathways, right? Because it's, it's essentially pathways in your mind. It's like a map, mm-hmm. an outline. And it's going to be hard because you have to do a lot of the legwork, right? But once you dig that path out, once you establish that, yeah, you may get a little lost, but when you come back, it's much easier. So it, it speaks to what I was referring to in the in regards to like the stages of change. Like that's the upward spiral where, mm-hmm. hello, relapse is included in it for a reason because it's inevitable and we have to accept that relapse comes with progress. But because you relapse, you're, you're able to to find your way quicker back to the solution you initially created or make a better solution. Right. And then it becomes it, like right. Crystal said, tougher skin or more, you, you become more knowledgeable on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as scary. You're confronting it. Right. There's something to actually exposure therapy, right? Like it, it makes, it, it really helps build neural pathways. It helps build comfort. Um, it's, it's a very real human thing. I spoke a lot on what toxic positivity and that mindset can do to the self. And, you know, it brings up so many different things with us, within us, like guilt, shame. And like Crystal, Crystal explained it earlier, it's just like this like nonstop cycle that keeps happening. But it's not just hurting the self, right? You're hurting 
other people as well, because you think about what you're projecting onto others. Um, and to make it a little more relatable, imagine you have someone that you really love, right? Like uh, your mother or your kids or your partner. And because you live this way, because you have these ideas of yourself, you put people in positions where you're unintentionally invalidating their own experiences. So it's almost like whether you recognize it or not, you're hurting other people. And then you're leaving room for other people to create resentment, to create ideas that like maybe I can't be too close to this person. You're like, it almost ruins relationships indirectly without us recognizing And then like, if you think about it in the large scale, it just keeps happening and it keeps perpetuating. Then you have a whole bunch of people who are in relationships in very limited ways. I know I sound like an idealist, but I think that once we start working on these these things in ourselves and we start recognizing what we're putting out in the world, we can become closer and we can feel and experience love in a different way. Yes, I definitely agree with that. So, like, I just wanted to, of course, you know, you know how I do, give y'all some quick little tips on how to avoid uh, or combat toxic positivity. So, what we've been saying literally this entire episode is do not ignore or stuff your emotions down, right? Acknowledge how you feel, good or bad, sit with it. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. For me personally, this is a very personal tip. I don't engage with people who use toxic positivity. This doesn't mean that you can't stay friends with someone or enjoy the company of a loved one or a family member. It just means that when you're in a place where you need to feel validated, they might not be the person that you turn to. Or you can have them listen to this episode and say, hey, like I want you to listen to this because when I come to you and you say these things, this is how you're making me feel and this is not helpful for me and this is not creating space for me, right? Especially if this is someone that you love and want to have a close relationship with. Um, the hope is that someone who you love cares about you back and holds space for you um, in that way. You want to make sure that you treat others the way that you want to be treated. So listen and validate how other people feel. Um, even when it's different from you, like don't be the person who's known for toxic positivity, obviously. Um, but realize that you don't want to shame another person for their emotions. You know, you have to remember that not everyone copes with things in the same way that you do. Not everyone's life experiences have been the same. Like some people didn't grow up as resilient or as knowledgeable or as aware as you may have. So you have to make, make sure that you create space for other people and where they're at. Recognize the toxic positivity messages that Sasha mentioned earlier in the episode. So definitely like write those down, keep them in mind so that you can spot it immediately. And then just be wary of social media. You know, like we've said, people post the best of themselves. It's what's profitable, especially with these influencers, like in the middle of a pandemic, you know, like they're going to sell masks, right? Because that's what's profitable. That's what these brands want. Like this is how they make their money. And not saying that you can't follow influencers, but also use discernment. Like what is it that you need? And also being um, aware, like when you see someone like say, start your next LLC, like, do you get excited? Are you like, yes, like that's what I want to do. Or are you like feeling that pinch of, Ooh, like that feels yucky to me. Like, I don't, you know, like that doesn't sit right with me. And I would also say when it comes to social media, I'm a big believer of curating what you consume. Uh, so definitely make sure to follow people who make you feel good, whose values align with yours, who, 
maybe will encourage you to stay on the journey that you're in and don't, you know, follow people who are going to make you feel crappy. Like that, that influencer that takes the perfect selfies every single time and has a flat stomach and whatever, you know, like it has the perfect, like muscular body. I don't know. Like if, if that doesn't make you feel good, just stop following them. That's it. So just some things to kind of like combat it in your life in the different ways from like internalizing or receiving those toxic positivity messages. Absolutely. Um, You touched on it, but I just want to make it a little more explicit. Um, Listen to your body. Start noticing what happens in your body and then make the decision of like, oh, this isn't good for me. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. When you just stop following people because um, you don't like what you see and you're like, oh, whatever, I don't want to even address it. That's tricky, too, because you might fall into the same thing where you think that you can cancel things out and not deal with it. I, I would actually persist in I, I, I'm very persistent in, in asking people to start dealing with the feelings that are coming up, recognizing that you're flawed, you're gonna have bad experiences, and start learning how to talk to people about these things, and really come with compassion for yourself and for others, because this is a systematic issue, if you ask me recognizing that it's not just somebody making you feel a certain way, like our experience of this is similar. So how are we going to approach it? And Mm -hmm. if somebody doesn't want to approach it with you, then you could set the boundary, listen to our episode on boundaries and say, you know Mm -hmm. what, this isn't healthy for me. And I want to be this and, and like, figure out the why, you know, figure out what's Mm -hmm. happening inside of you, you know, like, go through that process, go through step one through six before you can, you know, feel like you're learning something Um, because there's no other way to get through it. Yeah. So that was our episode. I hope you guys learned a lot and, you know, we definitely want to make sure that we always bring that nuance to certain things, um, especially something like toxic positivity. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at never told us pod, or let us know your thoughts um, by emailing us at never told us pod at gmail.com. And make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us.